How sweet the name of Jesus sounds in Praise the Lord. Uh, first of all, I'd like to start with, for, for some weeks now, I've been on that topic, going on to maturity in the Lord. I'd like to use today to take a few questions before um, I'll take a few minutes to teach. So who would like to ask a question on the topic, going on to maturity in the Lord? Who would like to ask a question? 
I'm not really sure how this is about the topic, but that's um, your attendance at church. Does it define your relationship with God? Good question. Were, were you were you here? Um, no. That's fine. She's asked the question already. Does it? Is it? Is it? Do you think that it's an important question? Yeah, it is. I think it is, especially. Um, all right. So, did you have you listened to the series? Like I've been taking this topic for at least a month now. Okay, you were here last week. All right. So I think I touched on it a little, but. For the sake of maybe we have new people in church. So I think I'll answer it. It's a good question. Your attendance in church, does it define your relationship with God? Very important. Very good question. Now, what I'd like to say is, it will even help me to say something I wanted to say all this while. Now, I would like to first of all say that your relationship with God is not defined by your attendance in church. It's not your coming to church that makes you a Christian. Just like it is not the attendance of a bicycle in a garage that makes you a car. Do you understand? Do you understand? Good. Now, in, in, in the things of God, in the knowledge of God, in the knowledge of God, one of the biggest um, challenges that has fought the church through the years, all right, is what we call extremes. Extremes. Extreme is, for example, it is true that it is not your coming to church that Tells whether you're spiritual or not. Then also, another people on the other extreme saying that it is your coming to church. You know, your coming to church plays a, a, a very good role. So some are on the extreme, always in church, always in church. Some are also on the other extreme, never in church, and still believe that that is spirituality. Now, in in working with God, you always need to find the balance, and the balance is not the middle. So I'm not telling you to be on this side or on that side. I'm telling you to be on the word of God. The balance is not the middle. Now, this is what I mean. The lesser is included in the greater. There is no true love for God that will ignore going to church because it is part of what God said will help us grow. Do you understand? The same way, so your growth in God will have a very big problem if you don't go to church. True, it is not your being in church that makes you spiritual. Because first of all, I advocate first of all that everyone should learn to cultivate and have a good relationship with God outside church. It is very important. Your one-on-one relationship with God 
is what will define your spirituality. It's what, because there are a lot of things that are, for example, I always say that prayer we pray in church is trailer. The prayer we pray in church is trailer. And even what I share with you in church, I, look, let me tell you the truth. Let me tell you the truth. If I really want to teach a particular topic, like going on to my children alone, every Sunday you come to church, I need about 10 hours. Every time I brush the, the topics, I have to, because I cannot, you know, I cannot, because some of you, you sit in church after two hours, and you get, you know, you understand? So, I, because of that, and we also have three services, so I have to finish this service, go to the next service, so I cannot teach it as I should, because if I break going on to maturing in the Lord, now, I just started a topic here. It's last Sunday that I started how to go. So all this, all the things I've been teaching is not how to go. I was just giving you symptoms of childhoodness. Symptoms of being a child in the spirit. So I now started a topic. When I come to this one, now we are still on feeding. On, on Sunday, I started with feeding. After feeding, I'm going to about three, four more topics on this same topic. Because going to maturity is very vast. So, number one, there is a reason God asks us to go to church. You cannot say you love God and you select the things that you will do. Now, another reason why we go to church is whether you like it or not, God sends men to men. Let me, there's a word called access. Listen, there's a word called access. There are things that should happen in your life. You will never have access to them until a man gives them to you. You ask businessmen. No matter your prayer. He said, give and it shall be given to you. He said, press down, shaking together, running over. Shall what? Men. So the answer to your prayer is men. What does it mean? There are men God sends into your life. This is my pastor. This is the prophet God sent to me. Those men, whether you like it or not, they give you access into regions in the spirit. Without them, you will never enter it. A whole Jesus Christ had to be given access by John the Baptist, his cousin. They were just a few months apart in terms of age. Jesus, the son of God, had to be given access by John the Baptist. So, there are men that God has anointed or men that God anointed. So, those men come with special insights. There are certain things. Look, I've read the Bible when I got born. I read the Bible so, so many times. In fact, I read Genesis to Revelation. But when I came to sit under Pastor Chris, it was as though I've never read it before. How many of you know what I'm talking about? There's a scripture you know. By the time I started talking about you, you're like, ah, is it the same Bible we are all reading? Do you understand? Why? God has given special insight to special men. And when those men share the word of God with you, they give you the insight. Because this is not God's, God's way. God does not enter everybody's room and give everybody insight. Only one Moses saw the burning bush. Every other person was a beneficiary of his encounter. So when you study um, the, the, the church history, and the succession of the apostles. There are different apostles, different kind of apostles. There's a great man of God, Reverend Kenneth Hagin. 
He was an apostle of faith. He brought in the message of, of, um, when you see, you know, we sang the song, um, how sweet the name of Jesus sang. I think it's the Methodist thing, right? Yeah. Now, John Wesley was one of the apostles, he and Charles Finney, who brought in the holiness movement. I'm telling you the church history. They brought in holiness movement, message of holiness at that time. Now, after the church went so much into holiness, they now went into an extreme of holiness. So God had to now balance the holiness message and call another apostle of faith. So can I think it was the one who, because people were now so holy that they were sick. And when they are sick in their holiness, and you know what they started doing? Christians did not have television because they, they call the television the devil's box. So everybody, as part of like, they have, they have, they have received the Holy Ghost, they revival, people brought out their TVs, destroyed their TVs because it was the devil's box. Now, when the, the faith movement started, they discovered that when they put preaching on TV, a lot of people give their lives to Christ. You see, so they came out of that extreme. So God calls men at different points in time to, for the body of Christ. You understand? To bring in a face in the body of Christ. So you will miss out on so many things if you, do, you are not in a church and you don't have a pastor. The same way, there's an extreme where people, they don't do anything, they don't stay in the Bible for themselves, everything is the pastor. That's also an extreme. That's also an extreme. So going to church, I tell you something, going to church does a whole lot for you. If you are, if you are growing in the things of God, one of the things that you would, you, you would um, appreciate is going to the house of God. Because there's what we call the individual anointing. Alright? The individual anointing where you pray in your, in your room and you feel the anointing. That thing God does when you are alone. And there are things God does while we are together, which he will never do when you are alone. There are times as the pastor come to church, and I didn't even know that God wants to move the church to another level. Sometimes I don't know, I just come with my own message. You know how many times I've written a message and I came here, I couldn't preach it. And I'll come here and I'll realize that the Spirit of God has not taken me through another dimension. There was one particular service I came and we sang and danced throughout. You think I talked about it? I didn't think about it. I just realized that the Spirit of God moved the church. And by the time we were done with that service, the place was full of joy. What happened that day? It was the outpouring of the Spirit. Anytime there's an outpouring of the Spirit, the church moves to the next level. So it's like everybody moves together. So that day, if you were in your room when we moved, you did not move. Now, listen, listen, the, the, the challenge with spiritual things is, the next day, everything will return back to normal. So we'll all think nothing happened. You know when we see the difference? Let me give you an example. Some people say that in the Old Testament, God was faster in responding to people's wrongdoings than in the New Testament. You think so? It's not so. God has always been slow to anger. That's what David said. Now, why does it look like it's fast? Because it is summary. It is, it is narrative. So you read it as, and this person, this person, and this. Then, two years later, the Lord did this. It looks like it's the same, like the Lord just responded. No, no. When we now look today, like for example, there was a, a pastor who, who tried to mafia my father and the Lord, mafiaed him, you know, did many things against him, you know, and it looked as though he went, he got, he got away with it. Seven years later, you know, he took members of that, that church to go and start a church. You know, the church he started flourished for seven years. And after seven years, he lost everything. So if that was written in Bible, we would have said, 
after he mafia this pastor, he was also mafia. <laughs> so you would think it just happened. No, it's the narrative. So the things about the telling about spiritual things is when we leave that service where you were impacted, where the anointing was there, everything goes back to normal the next day as though nothing happened. Time. 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 When God thinks of blessing, you start thinking of money. He doesn't think of money. You know one of the things that God regards as blessing in your life? Like people who come to church, as you are coming to church all the time, people, you, you, you have friends who are not coming to church and you keep coming and it looks as though you are, the, you are wasting your time and all that. Let me tell you what happens. Aside getting physical things, financial blessing on the side, that's not the main thing of the blessing as regards God. This is what God sees as a blessing. And that's the, the biggest heritage of serving God. He said, you shall serve the Lord thy God and you shall bless the water. So, the greatest thing that happens is actually generational. So, many of you here, as you are serving God like this, you just realize that you will give birth to children who will be favored by God. Now, now what is God responding to your child for? What is God responding for your sitting in service on Wednesday? God will now remember. God said to Solomon, He said, Solomon, you're a very bad guy, but I want to remember David. I spare you. <laughs> yeah. That is the word of God. So your service to, to God is never in vain, it, it actually transcends you. See, so. Very, very key. When you come to the house of God, when you come to church, it, it, it does a whole lot for you. And your spirituality, you know, there's a, there's a level of your spirituality that, um, um, you know, if you're really a spiritual person, that's what I say. You know, someone say, oh, I don't go to church, but I love God. No, if you really love God, you go to church. Because if you love God, you love God's people. And if you love God's people, you like to be in their midst. So, spirituality and attendance in church is very, very important. And I read that scripture when I was teaching on um, uh, growing to mature in the Lord. I, I read that scripture. He said, he gave some, go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. He says, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Now hold on. I, I explained it. I said, he didn't say he gave to some. So some people say, this one, that means there's a gift of apostle, a gift of prophet. That's not doctrinally right. Because this one, we call them gifts. He gave gifts to men. Go to, let's start from verse 9. Uh, let's start from 8. Good. He said, wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now, so they move from verse 8, okay? Because from verse 9, he puts, listen, from verse 9, he puts um, uh, brackets. So it can be excluded because he's just trying to explain this. Look at verse 9. Can you see the brackets? Can you, can, you, can you see? Do you understand what I'm trying to say? So, all these parts can be excluded. So, let's go from, from 8, then you go straight to 11. He says, and he gave some apostles. No, go to 8 first. Wherefore, he said, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now, he says, he gave gifts unto men. Now, there are 
two words, alright, two words that um, explain gifts. The first one is charismata, which is like a spiritual gift. That's charis, grace. You understand? Now, <laughs> now that's charismata. That's a gift that he gave unto me. So like, that's a, a gift, like a physical gift that he gave unto me. So if he had used charismata here, that means he gave gifts to men. But over here, he didn't use charismata. He used Doria. Doria means that man himself is a gift. So he gave, so wherefore he said, when he ascended up on high, he led captive captive and gave gifts to men. So the men were gifts to men. So go to verse 11 now. And he gave some. So some were given apostles. So some people were giving apostles. Do you get it now? So, so, so your pastor, your prophet is a gift from God for you. Because you see, for example, let me explain something. Sometimes, some people annoy me and they are in church. I'm, I'm just doing it. Somebody annoy me and they are in church. But when they text me that they have an issue, some way, somehow, I just calm down and I have to help them because it is the office of a pastor. If I was not a pastor, I'd probably slap them or something. <laughs> some of these can just annoy you. You know? <laughs> you know, but it's the office. There's something about, about being a pastor. It's different from being a prophet. There's something about being a prophet. Prophets can get angry and curse you. Yeah, and, and, and be careful of a prophet's curse. Yeah, sometimes when a pastor curses you, it's different from when a prophet curses you because of what God gives them for their office. It's like the tools for their office. The tools of the prophet's office is signs and wonders. Signs and wonders are different from healings and miracles. Signs and wonders are different. Those ones, they are... Not today. <laughs> and... The evangelists are also different. They, they, are also, they also have tools for their ministry. So, it, sometimes if a prophet wants to maybe, you know, stir the anointing and maybe start praying for the sick or healing or something, you see him start singing songs, the prophet will be singing, then it will open, then he'll now start prophesying or start healing the sick or whatever it is, then they move. The evangelist, most of the time, does not even like worship or anything, he just starts praying. Be healed. Be healed. And he will start coming out being healed. It's the tools of his office. So, another person who is not called his office will go and fast and pray and come out and nothing will happen. It's the tools given for his office. So, the same way, when God puts you in a local church and gives you a pastor, the, the pastor too has tools for his office. So, when you understand the access that your pastor gives you, you know how to relate with your pastor. Not relate with him as a, a human being, as it were, but you relate with the office that this is a gift from God to me. And you don't choose, <laughs> you understand? You don't choose. God gives you. Remember, I, I shared with you Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 15. And I will give you passes according to my own heart who shall fill you with knowledge and understanding. So going to church is so important. When you see people writing those things on Twitter, I'm spiritual, but I'm not churchy. It's, it's ignorance. 
Do you understand? It's ignorance. You understand? It's ignorance. If we, we were not seeing anything going to church, don't think would have stopped. I've known church for 11 years now. Don't think would have stopped. But well, anytime we go to church, certain things that we we'll never have learned on our own, we're able to grasp them. We're able to catch them. Look at all these things that I've shared with you. If you were sitting in your room, you will see gifts. You say, oh, gifts. He gave toffee to me. <laughs> yeah. And, and so people think it is more steady. Can I ask a question? How many of you, you heard me preach something and you say, hey, for me, I'm going to study the Bible. Then you study, you still don't say anything. <laughs> you, get, you get it? You get it? You will go sit down. Say, hey, you know, I can't even give you all my study materials. I'm telling you the truth. I can't even give you all the things I used to study. You will still not see anything. You know why? It's called insight. And insight is given by God. It's called insight. When I sit down with the Bible, I, you know, and, and when God is talking to me, another thing you need to also know is that when God is talking to me, he has you in mind. So even if God doesn't want to talk to me, because of you, he has to talk to me. Do you get it? He has you in mind. So the way God talks to a leader with 10 people, is not the way God talks to a leader with 100 people. Like for example, to get team for camp, I don't even pray. Because God is thinking about everybody. So, I don't even pray. God would just, I might be just doing anything. God will tell me, thing for this camp is this. Thing for that camp is this. So sometimes, before we come to 31st night, you wonder, how does Pastor Chris get the theme of the year? You understand? It's, God is thinking of all of us. So even if God is quarreling with him, you go and drop a note. This year is this one. <laughs> so, having, going to church and having a pastor is so important. It's so important. Another thing that happens, I've said so many things, another thing that happens is frequency. Someone say frequency. frequency. Now, how many of you were listening to a radio station in Accra? When you moved outside Accra, it stopped working. Hey, the rest of you don't you travel or something. <laughs> Oh, I'm asking you a question. You don't want to answer me. You, you were listening to Sunny FM. As you started going, it started going off. It started going off. Good, good. Let me explain that. When we come to church, we all begin to operate in a certain frequency. That you will never be able to operate in if you're on your own. Now, sometimes you go to um, fellowship meeting, cell meeting, then they ask, who has a prophecy? Then you step forward and you begin to prophesy. But when you're in your room, you can't do anything. <laughs> Why? Because there is a frequency that we all come under when we are all, you know, it, it can deceive you. When we come to church together and everybody's prophesying and you start prophesying and you say, ha, your prophecy is correct, this one is confirming, look at yourself, I'm going to today. <laughs> You understand? It can deceive you to think that you are a prophet. You are not. At that time, you are, we are all in the frequency. So you catch the signals. So we are all catching the signals at that time. So it's a blessing. Let me, let me tell you when that thing happened. The woman by the well. How many of you heard that story before? The woman by the well. Jesus Christ went to talk to her. Now, this woman started talking about Jesus Christ... Um, what, what, what are you trying to use to fetch the water? She started at her level now. 
What I come to use to fetch the water? He said, oh, I'm the water of life. As we were talking, even the woman said something. She said, I perceive that you are a prophet. Ah, is it not the same woman who had five husbands? Why did she perceive that that husband was wrong? Are you catching it? That means that perception came there. She was in Jesus Christ's radar. And that's a prophetic radar. Over there you can begin to perceive. So because of Jesus, she began to perceive. Because if she was somebody who can perceive, like she won't have to marry five men. <laughs> I mean, she means the first one. I perceive you are not the one. <laughs> so she came into Jesus Christ's frequency. And because of that, she also began to perceive. So when we come to church, that's one of the things that happens to us. Frequency, we begin to operate in a certain frequency. Your growth will be faster when you have a man. This scripture, believe in God and you shall be established. Believe also his prophets and you shall prosper, right? Have you ever known that scripture? Send that scripture for me. I think First Chronicles chapter 20, verse 20. Second Chronicles, right? Second Chronicles 2020, yeah. Second Chronicles 2020. 2020. <laughs> ah, I think this is about a year. And they arose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And, and as they went forth, Joseph stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye have giants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord. So shall ye be established. Believe his prophet, so shall ye prosper. Now, there are two Hebrew words here. I'm going to explain to you. Believe in the Lord and you shall be established. The word established, the, the, the Hebrew word is aman. Aman. Then he says, believe also his prophets, so shall ye prosper. The Hebrew word is chalak. I'll explain what it means. No. I hope I'm not confusing you. Yeah. Good. Now, this is it. He says, believe in the Lord, so shall you be established. A man. A man means... You will be established. That means you will be well fixated. It's like you shall be sure, alright? And like you shall, you shall grow steadily. Hold on. You shall grow steadily. Then he says, believe his prophets. So shall you prosper. Chalak means you shall be pushed. So what should have taken God 20 years, alright? To grow you through. If he gives you a man, he shortens the time. He shortens the time. Because the man pushes you. Now, how many of you, you ever heard God and you weren't so sure? You weren't so sure. Good. Now, if God keeps leading you like that, do you know when you arrive at your destiny? (laughs) 
Imagine that all the things I teach you in church, God decides to teach you like that. Imagine you are sitting down here, a man. <laughs> then you walk to the, the Philistine stage right here, Shala. <laughs> you will go to the hospital, I'm telling you. No, but within a matter of minutes, you know it now. Within a matter of minutes, you know it now. So going to church is so instrumental in your upbringing. You grow faster like that. Nevertheless, even though I'm a pastor, I'll tell you, don't be at the extreme of everything. Pastor, everything, pastor. You two in the house, pray. In the house, study. In the house. Because you gain a lot too over there. So it's like cooking food. You understand? You can't say, I put salt, so I won't put pepper. You understand? All are important to bring out the best. Have I answered you? Have I answered? Any other question? Have I answered? Yes. All right. If you say no, you you are looking for a fight. (laughs) Good evening, man of God. I really appreciate this opportunity. Most times, I wanted to find out how do you gain back your faith from God? Because I've realized most people most great people, they were very sweet, very unique, serving God. But something happened. But later they find themselves in a negative way. But I don't know how to encourage such people to gain back that same faith they, that they have in God. Thank you. Alright. Uh, if, if I'm getting your question, you're asking, how do you gain your faith back in God? Like you know some people who were great on fire for God, then later, something happened and they get on, on a different, uh, <laughs> train. And, uh, sometimes you want to talk to them and. Uh, yeah, sometimes they, most of their conversation is like, I've done this for God. I've done that. I've done, we at the end of before. it, why did this thing happen to me? So it's more like they are regretting. It's more like putting all your blames on God because you were faithful. You were focusing on the fact that because I was very faithful, I was committed to his word. Why did this thing happen to me? How can you encourage such people? Because most of the times you try your best. You give them Bible verse. At the end of it, they know the words more than yourself. <laughs> and... Uh, and I also realized if you want to convince someone, you have to be a living testimony. So you, I felt like if you're not in that same category, it's like you can't even convince me. That's how I felt. Thank you. Very good question. As you answer it, eh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Now, let me say this. The Christian walk, all right, is a beautiful one. Walking with God is amazing. And walking with God is amazing. But I'd like to say something. Paul said, 
What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Or from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus? Then, check out the things that he began to say that will separate him. Let's go into that. Romans chapter 8. Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now look at it. He says, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. Verse 36. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Verse 38. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Listen. Listen. Your faithfulness will be tested. If I have the opportunity, one day, you know, sometimes I drop one or two stories here and there. Most of the time, some of these people, you know, when you hear their stories, and a lot of us have our parents on this table. They'll tell you that, oh, when I was in SU, you know what I did? We used to preach. Ha! We used to preach. We used to. Refuse to be a used to Christian. Are you listening? The used to's are many. Now, even though in God's word, things have been said. You are moving upward. You are moving forward. According to the word of God, you're moving upward. You're moving forward. You're, you're, you're going to see, you know, uh, the grace of God at work in your life. Always understand that there will be a time that your faithfulness will be tested. At this time, it is not your faith. Your faithfulness. So over here, Paul is using the language of faithfulness. And he says, the thing that will save you when your faithfulness is tested is your love. I said, every now and then I begin to share uh, stories with you. You know what I've been through? And let me tell you something. No matter what I lose, no matter what I gain, it, I, I make sure it doesn't tamper with my love for God. That, that remains intact. If anything is wrong, God is not the fault. I'm the fault. That's what we call love. Most of these people, when you go deep into the story, you realize that they followed God because they wanted something and because they didn't come. They now were now disappointed. 
Look, let me tell you something. If I have a hundred thousand Ghana CD today, and I give it, and for the next one month I am hungry, I'm not going to ask God, I gave you a hundred thousand CDs, and I am hungry today. God, you watch me become hungry. No matter what happens, that thing does not define my relationship with God. Whatever I gave does not define my relationship with God. No matter what I gave for God, God, I thank you, I gave it to you. Thank you. I told you about when I made my first ten thousand dollars. When I gave it to God, I told you I gave it to God. Do you think the, the next day I saw money? I didn't see anything. I'm telling you something. I, I didn't see anything. And everybody around me who knew I had the money, they were not looking for. There should be a ten thousand dollar change in your life. Yes, I don't you see it? I wasn't expecting my shoe to change. My shoe did not change. My shirt did not change. Nothing changed about me. And I look like a big fool by giving it to God. But you know what I, I said to God when I was giving it to him? I said, God, I could have put this money in the treasury bill. I looked at the money. I said, God, I could have put this money in the treasury bill. I said, but I know that if I give it to your treasury bill, there are more uh, returns. So I transacted with God. So, when they were walking with God, their love for God was not the root of their relation with God. And if you're, if you're here, you're serving God because you're expecting God to do anything for you. you this is not casino. I'm, exp- I'm, I'm telling you the truth today. It's not a casino. Okay, God, I give you 10 cities tomorrow. You give me 50 cities. No, yeah. Are you listening? Love. Love. When, when the love is deep. Ah, can you imagine? Can you imagine? Listen, oh, listen. I, those people, when you even ask them questions, you will not even find, they've not been through some of the things some of us have been through. Do you know, do you know, do you know, Reverend Isudanaba? He lost all his children in one day. The next time he went to pick my, he said, I'm still preaching. Oh God. And we are going to heaven with these same people. <laughs> he didn't question God. He picked Mike and continued preaching. I said, I wonder, will I be able to preach? And he was actually going to crusade. Hey. The children were on their way to crusade. This is love. That I have love for God. If God was there, why did this happen to me? If God was there, why did this happen to me? Nevertheless, Job said, Job's wife said, he said, curse God and die. In all of Job's affliction, he did not even speak a word against God. That I have love for God. Regardless of what happens, has nothing. Look, look, go back again. Go back to 35, uh, 36. No, verse 35. Who shall separate from the love of Christ? Is it some tribulation? Or distress? Or persecution? Or famine. I mean, hunger. 
No, some, some of these guys, when they talk, you, you, you will be surprised. Like, how can Paul talk like this? Paul was arrested for preaching about Jesus. And it was in the prison he was preaching more by writing letters that we are reading today. As scripture. He was, he was in the prison. He didn't say, God, save me. Save me, God. He didn't save me. Save me, God. You don't need to save me. I will start a new ministry from this. There was a time. There was a time, eh? Now, I, I, I've given, I've given God, right from when I became born again, I've given, given, given. There was a time in my life, alright? I went to involve myself in a certain business, whether I asked God, I didn't ask God, I don't, I can't even remember. <laughs> and, you know, when you're a guy, when you're a guy and you are growing, you feel like you are, you are, Charlie, time is going on, time is time to go. And especially the pressure now from the, some boys, I don't mention anything. No, the person you know, you see them with a car and a bench, and you'll be wondering, oh, what, what, Charlie, Charlie, Charlie. The pressure, and social media is not making things easy. <laughs> you'll see somebody taking his girlfriend to some place, and they have flowers and petals, and, <laughs> and, and let me tell you, you'll start feeling useless. Look, let's be, you know, when I come to church, I, I don't, I don't form for you people, like, Making look at like me, I'm one, you know, walking on the street. <laughs> I tell you, I tell, I'm real with you. Am I right? I'm real with you guys. Wait, how many of you have felt like that before? Uh, you, feel, you, you felt useless. Listen, listen. You look, you, I mean, you felt useless. I mean, I look at, I, so, I was feeling useless. Ah, then I say, God, yes, God, we are moving, we are moving. No, there was a time. After I got involved in that business, you know what happened? I had no money home and abroad. <laughs> Nothing in any bank account. I'm not joking. Nothing in any bank account. And my mom always knows that I have money. So I intentionally moved from where I was staying to go and stay with her so I can be eating home food. <laughs> and I would leave them and go and preach home. And when I preach, I will tell them that God is still good. And I'll come back home. It was a time I wanted to ask my mom for transports. <laughs> but they know that I have money. They didn't know I'm going to involve myself in the business and everything has collapsed. Now, I, as I was there, I wanted to ask her. As I was sitting down, she was asking questions about Bible. I'll answer. After I answer, I'll be looking around. <laughs> I didn't know how to ask her. <laughs> so one day, I went to church at Aveno. After we closed, everybody knows that this guy is a great person. Today he didn't bring a car. That means maybe his guy's at the shop or something. <laughs> After we closed, I was, listen, I was praying that God work a miracle today. You know the miracle? Someone should just pick me because a lot of people respect me a lot. So I just thought to him, just ask me, how you going? I like going and drop yourself. <laughs> So, they didn't say anything. Everybody was leaving. I saw the last car. I was looking into his eyes. <laughs> and they all left. And they all left. Everybody left. I look around, look around. No money to take her. I was living at Domi at the time. Domi Pilar 2. I walk from Circle Aveno to Domi Pilar 2. <laughs> I'm laughing. 
Listen. I walked. I walked from Avena to Don Pilatu. You are laughing. I don't even know why you are laughing. Uh, is this a laughing matter? So, listen. So while I was walking, while I was walking back, everybody has said, while I'm walking back, you know, sometimes, eh, God puts us in certain places and those things are not to kill us. They are to bring a new thing. Because when the woman is at the verge of bringing the child out, the pain cannot compare to anything. But when the child comes out, the joy too cannot be compared with anything. Because I was on the verge of something very major in my life. And I didn't even know. So, when I was walking back home, you know what I was doing? I was speaking in tongues and prophesying. Something that I would, I would have likely not done if I was driving or in someone's car. So I walked, I would be speaking in tongues. I was speaking in tongues. I got around, there's a lot around the papa here there. I realized that a lot of God came upon me. I was sweating. As I was speaking in tongues, I started jumping on the street. Oh, nations of the world, I hear in my voice. I think that, that prophecy just came out of my mouth. And I said, I make advancement. I make advancement. If you saw me that day, you think I'm crazy because I, the power of God came upon me. And when you are, when you are speaking the word of God, be careful when the anointing is on you. That is when everything works. So I was speaking, speaking. When I got to the atomic overhead, I was speaking, I was speaking, I was speaking. When I got home, the power was so strong on me, I just lay flat on the ground. It was an experience I never forget. But that happened when I was on the tightest of my life. See, so, you know, when, when things get hard, don't give up on God. Your love is questionable. No matter what happens, this, this, this will be your disposition. Lord, no matter what happens, I'm with you. No matter what happens, I'm with you. One time a guy used to come to church and every time he comes, he, he'll come to me and I'll pray with him. He says, Pastor, I have this idea. He's going to fetch this amount of money. Pastor, pray for me. And, and I wanted to ask him a question. And what I wanted to ask him is, what if God doesn't do it? Will you stop coming to church? Pastor, God should do this for me. Pastor, I'm, I'm, I'm finishing. Pastor, okay, okay. What if God does not do it? What if it is not done? You know what you are, you are trying to say? You are trying to say that God is not dependable. Most of the time, there are things you pray about that God doesn't, God makes sure that you don't have them. Because either you are not ready for them or God has something bigger. Two thousand and nine, I went to Atria Mountains. I was there for eight days. What was I praying for? I was praying for the power to do miracles. As I prayed, 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 prayed for eight days. On the last day, God said to me, "You are not ready." Ah, you have waited for me to preach eight days. (laughs) 
Lord, wait a minute. Eight days. And I was, look, I fasted till, I fasted till, I, I, I developed a problem. Yeah, I fasted. I, I went God told me the last day, I was already. You see, God, you I went back. Another time, I went again to inquire again. God, I cannot preach this gospel without the miracles. I, then I had them go to one again. I want to prophetic. I want to see. Every time, as I kept going, going, I was never getting home. Going one day, one day, I got the answer. One day, I got the answer. I was talking to a great um, man of God. I was talking with him. I was one with him. Then he asked of my age, and I told him. He said, as of yet, he doesn't know any young preacher like me who works in the miraculous, like consistently. It's just one once in a while they pray for the sick. You know, knee pain, uh, headache, those ones, yes, this one's lots more demons. <laughs> When you want the, 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 the standard Bible, Bible uh, uh, class miracles, standard Bible uh, level miracles, talking about this one could not give birth and she has given birth. She was barren. Yes, that one, that one is, is hard for you to come across a young person who does it consistently. But I chase God for it. I pursue God for it. Many times I, I, I felt like being discouraged. But I said, no, I'm not discouraged because I don't have anywhere to go. Like, that's why I say, I always say that I have no plan B. Do you get it? If God fails me, I failed. That's my, that's how I'm working with God now. So there's no thing like it didn't work. So I'm not going to do something else. No, I have nothing to do again. That's what you must tie with God. Now, most of those people, what you need to do with them to get their faith back is to pray for them. There's nothing you say to them that way. You need to pray for them because it's your prayer that will now create a certain condition for God to be able to reach them. Because they need a certain condition. Because so there was a time in my life that I was really serious about chasing money. You know, a guy is like that. I was really serious about chasing money. And I, I, I did a lot. I did a lot chasing money. Then I met you know, so I, I was really into, into, at that time, business, and I really got into the music side. So when I was deep with the music, when I go to a place, and they hear that combo, they treat me like a star and stuff, I was enjoying those things. Now, so one day I was wearing shirts and sneakers and wearing some things, I've done some haircuts, you know, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the haircuts, right? Now, so I met an ex. Why are you looking? Who are you? <laughs> Alright, so I, I met an ex. So she, when she saw me, she said, I need to pray for you. She said it jokingly. She said, I need to pray for you. I said, why? She said, because I know you are a prophet. And this is not you. What she said, it entered me. 
entered me because she had seen some things with me. I was like, I can be, I can be, I said, okay, tomorrow, this will happen to you, and it will happen. So she was like, no, 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 this is not you. Then I know some people who started praying for me during that time. So one day, without anybody advising me, because me, when I set my mind to do something, you can't advise me. Only God can talk to me. So one day I went to sit on my bed with an iron. Then as I sat there, this scripture came with a certain atmosphere that I cannot explain. Love not the world, nor the things in the world. If any man loved the world, the love of the Father is not in him. I knew God was talking to me. I broke down into tears. That's how I gave everything up. And God said to me, he said, trust me with your life. Stop chasing money. Trust me with your life. I let everything go. And I thank God I trusted God with my life. Have I answered? Listen, guys, never, never give up with God. Imagine Joseph said he was going to give up. What have you given up for God before? Some of you, common, common girlfriends said you can never even give it up for God. I'm serious. God has told you, this one, she will get into trouble. Leave or oh, leave. You say, no, Lord. Is the, is the, 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 the ladies one is the one that's more painful. The, the Lord has spoken to you, young lady. Because there are certain boys, certain girls who follow today. They might be in church if you know. That in the next 10 years, you're no longer Christian. Yes. Nothing is worth your love for Jesus. I've led young people. What I've just said right now. Some people have just heard it. It has passed here. I've led young people. And you know, the the truth is that you know. Nothing is worth your love for Jesus. Oh, sometimes, eh? I want to talk to you, but especially those of you on campus. We've been on that campus. <laughs> Look, these buildings, eh? This campus building, if they could speak. <laughs> Listen, the history they will tell us. If these buildings could speak, the history. If these buildings were, they, they could talk. And when they would sit all of us down, say, <laughs> listen, listen, listen. Listen, don't feel weird. Listen, don't feel weird 
when you need to get out of place like that to go to church, don't feel weird when everybody's sleeping. Don't feel weird. You're not all going to the same place. Don't feel weird. This is the time to come out from among them. If you think that social media is going to give you pressure, don't watch. Yes. Hold on, hold on. So I'll ask you a question. If we are really following God and we are really serving God, okay? Why are some people making some money? Why, why can't God give us that money? Are you, are you, have you ever thought of it? But listen, God doesn't reason. God doesn't reason that way. God doesn't think of it that way. God doesn't want to make you number one richest man in Africa. That is not his goal. You're surprised. It means nothing to God. Because to God, if, if they bring Forbes list, they are going to calculate what you are worth in terms of what's in your account and your assets. And God doesn't measure wealth like that. To God, what you cannot give, you don't have. Because the only proof that you, you, you have it is that you can give it. Jesus Christ said, he said, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things that he possesses. You know what the Bible says about John the Baptist? He said he shall be great in the sight of God. You know what it means? He shall be great in the sight of God. John the Baptist shall be great in the sight of God. When they were mentioning the things that he, he will be, he will be this, he will be there. He said he shall be great in the sight of God. So, to every other person, John the Baptist is not great, but in the sight of God, John the Baptist is great. Endeavor to have substance in the sight of God. This world will try to push you to have substance before their eyes. So a lot of fake life on, on social media. They want to be great in our eyes. Be great in the sight of God. Now, how do you say this guy is great in the sight of God? Listen, John the Baptist had the opportunity to be great in the sight of the people. That's why people don't know. How do I know? Because his father was a high priest. His father was a high priest. So if he wanted to do the work of God, shouldn't he have followed his father? And high priests in those days, they were people with big position. They had the best. They, 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 they had the best houses. The high priest, high priest, when they bring, when they are there, during the day of atonement, when people bring all the ram and everything, the meat goes to the priest and the high priest. The high priest will share for the priest. The tithes comes to the high priest. So, if he wanted to really do the work of God, I think John the Baptist should have followed his father. But, ordination. 
His, his calling did not permit him to, to join the system of the day. His calling took him into the wilderness. Took him into the desert. His calling took him into the desert. Something was working inside him. It's called a calling. It was working inside him. He could not, he could not um, separate himself from the calling. He could not separate him. It took him into the desert. His true calling. He could have said, I'm still doing the work of God. Then he would have followed his father. Then be a big man and big shot in the day. When Jesus Christ came, he commended John the Baptist and he rubbished the Pharisees, Sadducees and all the priests of the day. He said, this is where God's eyes is. God's eyes is in the desert. So John the Baptist said, he said, I'm the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness. Bible says that people rushed from the city to join John the Baptist in the desert. To hear him. When you have something to say to your generation, it doesn't matter where God puts you. When ordination is working in you, God will give you something. The world will rush to you no matter where you are. Follow God's leading in your life. Follow God's timing in your life. Don't miss it while you are young because you will not, you will not know where to start again. There are some things you don't miss because when you miss it, you can't find it again. My biological dad told me when God called him, he was 24 years. And he didn't follow the call. He started a later. He said when he got married, he felt like, you know, he should rather work and go and take care of the family. When the calling left him, you know when it came again? It came when he was 50 years. 50 years. Recently he called me and told me. He said he knows he couldn't complete it. And he knows that. He said he had a dream. And I was wearing his trouser. And he says that he knows he didn't complete it. And that he knows that God has given the rest of what he was supposed to do. He has added it to my own to complete it. No wonder God was looking for me when I was young. God was chasing me everywhere. Don't miss it. Are you listening to me? Don't miss it. There's an ordination working in you. Let your love for Jesus be up, up there. Okay, I'll take hers. Thank you, sir, for the opportunity. So my question is on the symptom of carnality. So on the symptom of carnality, the scripture reference you gave was 1 Corinthians 6, 7, which talked, talks about we being wronged instead or we being cheated. So on the other hand is Proverbs 26, 4 and 5. The first one talks about not answering a fool according to his folly. And the second one talks about answering a fool according to his folly. So my question is, are there certain special circumstances where you would rather not be cheated? Like you do not have to allow yourself to be cheated based on Proverbs 26, 5. Good question. Alright, so Book of Proverbs Alright, Ecclesiastes and Psalms they are not doctrinal books. When we say a doctrinal book talking about a book where you can pick one um, um, verse and make a doctrine. Okay, those are revelations or what we call um, 
Let me keep it there. Those are revelations, all right? But because they're not doctrinal books and they speak of day-to-day life, most of the time when it's dealing with wisdom, wisdom is situational. That's the first thing I can tell you. Wisdom is situational. There are times that he said, don't answer a fool according to his folly. But there are other times he tell you, answer a fool according to his folly. Why? Because wisdom, um, the Bible calls the Holy Spirit, the spirit of wisdom. He guides you into the truth. So there are times that you would have to do the other one. There are times you have to do. So it's not a contradiction. It's just because those are not doctrinal books. If it's a doctrinal book, you say that don't do this, don't do that. Then you know that you need to follow it from beginning to end. But this one is not um, uh, doctrinal. It's rather situational. So you have to deal with it according to the situation that comes in at that time. The Holy Spirit leads you in that one. Now, when he said that you you should um, not allow yourselves to be cheated, what's he saying? In First uh, Corinthians chapter six verse seven, he said, "Don't allow yourself." He said, "Don't." Uh, you should rather allow yourself to be cheated. All right. He said. Now, therefore, there is utterly a fault among you because you go to law with one another. Why do ye not rather take wrong? Why do ye not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? Now, let's look at Jesus. There was a time they came to ask Jesus for tax. When Jesus at that time knew that he wasn't supposed to pay tax. But Jesus Christ said, you know, just to avoid this whole thing, let's just go, you know, to the... To the sea. He said, Peter, go to the sea and the first fish you want, just give it to him. Because this guy, we're not supposed to pay tax. But, I mean, let's just pay so that we can just have peace with these people. So, what's, he, what's Jesus Christ trying to teach us? He's teaching us that we can actually live above that. So, the word of God also give up, gives us provisions for certain things. For example, he said that, Jesus Christ, do you know Jesus actually said that, any money that you cannot dash your neighbor, don't lend it to him. Why? Because it will be wrong. You know what, what, what was going to happen? Let's say, Georgette is my friend. My very good friend. Now, she comes to me that I should lend her 10,000 Ghana CD. And that's the last money I have. You know what I'd rather do? I'd rather take 2,000 and say, Georgette, take this one. If at the time she's supposed to pay, she's not able to get it for me, I know that I can say, oh, Georgette, don't worry, keep it. It's true because, because you need to learn to live above it. So any money you are not willing to, to be able to dash, don't even, because you know what will happen? There is a greater um, sense of, of, of um, relationship with Georgette that she's my friend. If this money separates us, what about our friendship? You know what our friendship would have produced later on. Maybe after three years time, I would have started a business with Georgette and it would have been bigger than this amount. But because we allow this money to come between us, so I have to value the relationship more than the money. And to make that happen, if I'm not, if I'm not willing to give her the full amount, what I'll do is, I'll give her what I can dash her. So, what is he saying over here? He says, these two people are all Christians. He says, both of you are Christians. And you now carry yourself Christians. You are, he's your brother, he's your sister. You now carry yourself to court for an unbeliever to judge your case. That's, this is the scripture where Paul said, don't you know that we will judge angels? 
judge angels. So how will we now carry our matter as Christians to now an unbeliever to judge between us? So most of the time, this is what Jesus Christ prescribed that we do. When you have a fault with your brother, there's something going on. This is what you do. You try to resolve it with the brother about maybe the person has taken your money, the person is trying to cheat you, you know. You look between the person is not trying to be reasonable. Both of you probably have somebody that you respect who is a Christian. Rather take the matter there. Let the person deal with it. If the person deals with it and is not able to, don't take it to court. Leave it. Let the matter, let you should be cheated. Especially when the two of you are in the same church. Let's carry the matter to the pastor. Don't say, I will deal with her today and she will know that I'm the lion of the tribe of the Ghana tribe. Do you understand?